0: You may have noticed we haven't done um, the prayers yet. I just want to, like last week, just bring them at the end of this morning. And, and last week, I, I, I started talking about um, something that I didn't really feel I got to, got to finish on. But a couple of weeks ago, we had Failing Sparks with us, and she brought a word over Pastor Bruce and Joan, which I believe is very prophetic for them, but also for us as a, as a body. And um, we were sharing this the other day just about the healing. that you've been believing in faith for healing for such a long time, but you're moving into a season where you're going to see it. And um, I take that as a word of knowledge and a raiment, not just for you, but for us as a church. And uh, jumping on that, and so that week, spent a lot of time thinking about what it means to cultivate an atmosphere of faith for healing. And so last week, we started to talk about that, of, of creating an atmosphere of faith for healing. And we know an atmosphere is a useful thing, like... Um, I don't know if you've seen photos of the moon, and it's a pretty messed up place. You wouldn't want to live there because there's all these craters and everything from meteorites smashing into the thing. Now, Earth, every so often we get a meteorite that comes down, but we have an atmosphere that protects against the external attacks. But this atmosphere also produces something on Earth as well. It actually produces a, a, a space where life can be created as well. And so when I talk about creating and cultivating an atmosphere of faith, that's what we're talking about, is creating and cultivating a place around ourselves that protects from the attacks, the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith protects from the fiery darts of, en- of the enemy, Ephesians 6.18. And also creates a place where life or the presence of God can be cultivated inside to produce His purpose. And so last week we were talking about healings and And you can't talk about healings without reflecting on signs and wonders, and we know the purpose of signs and wonders is to create belief. There's been some concept that's gone on, and really unspoken, but a culture in in church that, that almost said that faith that comes by signs and wonders is a lesser faith than faith that comes by reading the Word of God. And this is one of the stumbling blocks that we really get in our way whenever we sort of pursue a place of, of healing and whenever we pursue seeing the supernatural works of God. And we know Jesus said that unless people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. He was actually saying that with a sympathetic tone to them there, not a, a condemnatory tone, not, not frustrated with them, but he was actually just giving them the, the truth. Because in John 20... The miracles of John are laid out. Of John, John wrote why he wrote about the seven miracles of Jesus in there. Just recapping what we spoke about last week. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We know six of the miracles listed in John led to belief. The people encountering them, John spells out that the people there believed. The other one, John spells out that Jesus encountered the Pharisees after and actually rebukes them for not believing that he was the son of God because of the miracle of healing that was performed in their presence. And so healings and miracles and signs and wonders lead to belief and faith. And we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not possible to please God. Now, one one scripture I didn't get to last week, and I just want to touch on the mix of belief, faith, and hope this morning, is this scripture in Romans 10.17, which we know really well. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, the King James Version says, or the new NIV now. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. Now, I grew up learning that that was the Bible Reading the Bible, that word, word there is not logos. That word, word there is rhema. Faith comes not by the written down message of God. Faith comes by the rhema, the spoken word of Christ. Or we could interpret that. Faith comes by words of knowledge, prophecy, revelation that comes from reading the word of God, testimonies. Faith is produced by the spoken aspect of God, which only comes alive, hearing where? Not in our ears, because I know many people who have sat in churches their whole lives and don't have an ounce of faith. I've known many people that have read the Bible and have no faith. If that's where it comes from, it doesn't produce it. It comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives, stirring on that Ramar spoken word of God to produce faith. In there And so that's why I can sit there and hear the word of prophecy that's spoken over Pastor Bruce and Joan that healings are going to be seen. And I go, I hear that word of God, bang, Holy Spirit stirs, rhema, I hear the rhema word of knowledge, prophecy, faith comes, I'm going to grab hold of that and let's run at it. Let's absolutely run at this. And the reason why we have more people in the last... Month or last three weeks and coming up as well, that have been in surgery than I've known in our church. We've had six and we've got another two surgeries coming up. I, I don't know if you've remembered a time in our church where we've had that many in such close proximity, but I'm going I'm to acknowledge what I'm seeing in the natural and try and see the supernatural behind it and go, cool, let's respond to this because I'm not going to get run over um, by what, what the enemy's doing there. So, Romans ten 14. let's jump back a couple of verses on that. How can they call on the one who they've not believed in? Use that word belief. And how can they believe in the one who they've not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is Paul alluding to where faith stirs up and comes from. And we know when Paul came and preached to the Romans, when he came and preached to the Corinthians, when he came and preached to Th- um, the Thessalonians, Thessalonians and Thessalonica, um, he came by words, but more than that, he says he came by the power of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders, the manifestation, the power of God is what he came preaching. And so we know that this is vital to belief. Seeing is part of God's, God's purpose in, in believing. And all over this world at the moment, the people that are coming to faith, are coming to faith, especially in the Muslim faith, are coming because they're witnessing the supernatural power of God. And also dreams of Jesus in in their instance. And it's just a new thing that God's doing in that time. And so if this is what's going to lead people, then we need to run after it. And You know, one of the things that, that comes by that and what really gets stirred in us is when someone brings a testimony. When we hear about someone talking about what Jesus has done, like that's something that really builds inside us and goes, "Wow, there's something there." Hang on, God can actually move. We're actually hearing. That's what John said. I've written these things that you may believe. I've written these testimonies that you may believe. That you may jump up and believe. And we know the purpose of testimony is to build faith. We know in Revelation it talks about testimony as the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit. Of prophecy. In Revelation, it all talks about that they overcame the devil, what? By the word of their testimony, that this the purpose of testimony is for overcoming the devil. And, and with that, let, let's just give space, and I, I like doing things a bit different. Has anyone got just a word or a testimony of, of, of just something, a breakthrough that God's made in your world in the last little bit? Um, I want to give more space to this and just hear about what God's doing. And I know I haven't prepped this and so this can always be dangerous uh, when we open up a microphone and don't know what's coming out. Um, but that's, come on, Alex. I've got to find where I put the mic. Yeah,
1: um, I've been um, working at a nursing home for uh, the last 16 years and I have known in my head that it's time to retire um, i've had a lot of back problems and i have struggled so much with actually giving my notice and handing it in and i've i've said lord what is this blockage i, I just could not work out why i um just couldn't give it up i just you know was it the money uh, you know we could survive without my wage it was fine Was it my identity? I don't know. I just kept asking the Lord. And I think I had built such a a thick um, wall around a certain area in my life that it took a while for the light to get through and bring truth. And um, the morning was spoke a couple of weeks ago, I was watching Derek Prince before church and he was talking on grace. And I don't know if something he said triggered something but I had a, a revelation um, about something in my childhood and it was like a wow moment. It was, oh, that's why I can't give up work. And, um, and it was so freeing for me. It just brought truth and it set me free. So the next Tuesday I handed in my notice and I'm just praising God that his truth, his word, his, his rhema sets us free.
0: Man, Jesus came to release those who are in oppression. From the, I just want to uh, share a story here about... Um, there was a couple that they went and visited a church on their honeymoon. Um, you know, they're, they're seeking something special when they do that, um, especially as a Christian marriage. And, and so they went to church on their honeymoon and went there, and, and the bride who the husband had been praying for for three years, she had Crohn's disease. And so they went there believing for the supernatural power of God just to move in a life. So they went to the service and, and they're praying there and they're taking communion, um, ready for it. And then afterwards they went to the to another service after that. And as they were standing in line getting ready just to be prayed for, a word of knowledge came through that someone was going to be healed from a stomach disease. And then um, that, this is a testimony that's just been shared in the last two weeks. Then another word of knowledge straight after that, it said, and it's going to be one of our sister's. Um, in the faith today that, that's healed of that. And so they, they stood on that and heard that word and claimed faith, and then um, the husband was prayed for um, with her, and, and whilst that's been going on, he just felt cold. He just felt cold while they were getting prayed for. And uh, we, we know often when God moves, you feel heat for electricity, but he's normally a hot person, and so he got his wife to, to touch, and she's like, well, that just feels different. And then she just reports just feeling God say to her, you just got to release this. As she touched his shoulder, and so she just made that decision and then felt just in faith that she'd been healed. And she reported, ever since they walked into that church, they've got a little cafe out the front called Hebrews, and the men of the church run it. <laughs> run by the men of the church, of course. And, uh, and ever since she walked in, she was just craving a muffin. And so we went, well, let's go test this out. And she walked out the front and she ate just this huge muffin, no pain, no nothing. They spent the next couple of weeks of their honeymoon eating bread and pizza and pasta and, and, and pastries. And, and God just rocked up ever so slightly. I've learned that sometimes God just moves. When there's a difference, often that's God moving. It might feel warm. It might feel cold. It might feel electricity. And I learned something recently, actually, in, in hearing this. See, I, there was a time where I prayed for someone, saw their back healed, and then we had a meeting with 70 people in there and there were 11 back problems. I started praying for someone and it got worse. So I just assumed at that point, the devil started getting in my ear and lying to me, that, I oh, know healing's not for you. You, you. you understand more about how to hear and, and, and prophecy. So just, just operate in that and others are healing. So I got others to pray for them. Um, because I started praying for them, it got worse, and others to pray for them, and and healing started happening. So that was really good, because I was able to leave there with people encouraged and empowered. But since then, I've heard a lot of people start testifying about how pain got worse when they started praying for someone. And what it actually was is they needed to renounce the demonic stronghold in there and cast the demonic anchor in there out that was responding to that atmosphere of faith that was coming around. I went, wow, Lord, I really need to repent of a false idea here because the Spirit of God is the gift. He manifests inside us all in the capacity of healing. And so these are are testimonies just of of God's goodness, but some of the testimonies I heard growing up and some of the testimonies I hear today and just in different places from Christians are a bit different. This sickness is my cross to bear. I'm just carrying this burden for the Lord. God's teaching me through this. I wish he'd hurry up and teach you, hey, so you could get out. You know, this is just my thorn in the side that I have to bear. And and I'm I'm just talking about sickness and healing today. But I've heard many people share these words over the years and, and talk about them and use these sort of testimonies. God's just really leading me through something. This is my wilderness experience right now. And talking about a sickness, maybe a chronic illness in their lives. And I never heard this taught on when I grew up in the church. I never heard these things taught from the pulpit that this is how we should approach healing. But it was more probably a culture that I grew up in. And I didn't grow up in this church. Um, so this is other places outside here. And, and, and these are the things that I guess really innocent, encouraging statements that we say to ourselves and say to others to try and understand and and bear things. But they really come from this premise when we understand and think back on what's the underlying belief behind that. And we'd have to say this, God wants me to be sick. I'm just bearing this cross for the Lord. Well, if you're bearing that cross, then then the belief under that's God wants you to be sick. Oh, God's teaching me something through this. Then the belief under that would be God wants me to be sick. Now, I did a word search on this. And across a whole bunch of things, and I can guarantee this, in nowhere is that just alluded to anywhere in the New Testament at all. In actual fact, there's only one place that the glory and and sickness is actually connected, and that's when Jesus is talking about Lazarus, that this sickness and what we do here will be for the glory of God, referring to Lazarus being raised from the dead, not that the sickness was for God's glory at all. You know, and... So you know, when we come to talking about an atmosphere of faith for healing, we've got to ask one question of why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? And 1 John 3, John talks about this, this a bit in a few different places, but 1 John 3 eight says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John 10.10, the enemy has come to rob, kill, destroy. I came to do the opposite of that, to turn that upside down, to bring you life and have it to the full or have it to abundance. In Luke 4, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to destroy the, destroy the works of the devil. He came to knock it out, wipe it out, and just absolutely rid it from our world and existence in our natural realm, in our spiritual realm. He came to destroy sin. We know that from 1 John 3, that it talks about sin specifically there. But we also know in Acts that Peter, when talking to Cornelius, said that you've heard, Jesus went out. Jesus went out you know the message of God sent by the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus who is Lord of all? Next verse. you know what happened through the province of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Many occasions it talks about Jesus healed all those that were there, all those that were sick. What? They were under the power of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy sickness. God didn't bring it. God didn't make you sick. God doesn't want you sick. In actual fact, what this tells us is we're at war. We're in a battle. We're in an absolute fight. We are at war. And and this is what the early church believed. The early church believed this. They knew it, that they were at war, and, and they felt it in the natural because they were pressing against places where they were getting killed, they were getting thrown to lions, boiled in oil. They knew it because each and every day they spoke the name of Jesus, there was threats against their lives. And so the church lived in this way, and they knew whenever they saw something manifest around them that was a work of the devil, they would just go to prayer. They would go and seek the elders, as James teaches, if you're sick, what? Go grab the elders and pray for them, anoint them with oil, because this is a work of the enemy that doesn't need to be there, and we need to fight this thing and push it back. We need to see this destroyed by the power of God, and this is the early church And what they did. In actual fact, the early church had a a ritual in the Catholic church. They had the rites of healing. They had a whole sacrament around it. And then at about 800 to 1,000 AD, that changed. And that ritual changed. And the beliefs of the church changed. And that ritual for healing became last rites. And all of a sudden, instead of proclaiming healing, what happened is it tried to comfort people getting them ready to die. No healing focus at all. Just about last rites. In Vatican II, John Paul restored the former purpose. But something changed there. Something changed around 1000 AD, where the church went from the mindset of where it war to a mindset of, well, God's in control of everything. They took hold of verses like, Everything is for you and by you and through you. And well, God's in control of everything and went from a warfare mentality to what we might call a blueprint mentality. And we've heard of people, this is what was picked up by the likes of Calvin in predetermination, predestination, that everything's of God and God's just going to have his purpose irrespective of anything that we do. He's just going to have his way and just going to do his thing. And so there's one problem with that. When we view God as the source of everything, what do we do when bad things happen to good people? How do we deal with that? And we know that's an issue because we know that's one of the number one questions that all our friends ask. If your God's real, that person's good. How come bad things happen to them? If you're a Christian your God looks after you, why did that bad thing happen to you? This is one of the number one questions out there. Why? Because we as the church let that question come in because we changed our focus and we changed our theology and we changed our worldview on what's actually happening around us. And so because of this, this is why some of the mother churches have have these rights. I just want to read to you just quickly from a book of prayer. And this is what they're given when, when when they go to the sick in their house. Forgive some of the language. I'll try and modernize it a little bit. Whosoever your sickness is, know that certainly that it is God's visitation. Your sickness is God's visitation. This is given to them when they go visit sick. For what cause soever this sickness is sent to you, whether it be to try your patience, for the example of others, and that your faith may be found in the day of the Lord, or else it be sent unto you to correct and amend you in whatsoever doth offend the eyes of the heavenly Father. You know certainly that if you truly repent of your sins and bear your sickness patiently and render unto him humble thanks for his fatherly visitation, submitting yourself wholly unto his will, it shall earn you to your profit and help you forward in the right of that that leadeth unto everlasting life. I don't want a God like that to visit me. These words were meant to, and it says that these words are not meant to produce healing. They're actually meant to encourage and strengthen. I'm not encouraged and strengthened by that. I don't find that in there at all. You know, it's very hard to ask God for healing when we believe he's the author. It is very hard to ask God for healing when we believe he is the author of the sickness. And actually this is the worldview Jesus was trying to get rid of out of his disciples in John 9. As he went along he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man? Or his parents, that he was born blind. And neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but it happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. Jesus was trying to fight this. You know, this was a Hebrew source. Um, If you read, I mentioned before about the New Testament, there not being any connection. The Old Testament, they attribute a few things that, like, um, on David, it says that on Saul, God sent an evil spirit on Saul. Why? Because Jesus was the one that came and brought the revelation of hell and a fuller revelation of Satan. God entrusted that revelation to Jesus to actually show that we were at war and they didn't have that full understanding at that time. And so they attributed many of the things that the enemy was doing to God. But Jesus came to reveal the fullness of that and to complete the law and show the understanding of it. And so this, this mindset somewhere, we went back to. And we tried to go back to and cling to that these things are of God and God has sent them. But no, we have been released. God, Jesus came. Jesus came to fight the works of the enemy. Just want to touch briefly on another one of those words that come. This is my thorn in my side. Now, in um, two Corinthians twelve, Paul talks about there that um, I have a th- God has given me a thorn in my flesh, and a number of scholars have speculated that this may be an eye condition because later on he writes in very big language, very big letters, or that when Jesus came and appeared to him on the road and then he was later healed, scales fell from his eyes, and so they speculate that there was an eye condition. Some have speculated that he had epilepsy because when Jesus appeared to him, it was in a bright light. I don't know how the presence of God would come and bring a disorder and a sickness like that. But... One of the things in there that it says is it says, this is a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Thorn in the flesh, the only other space in the word that that's used is in the Old Testament where the Israelites didn't remove the Canaanites from the land. These people will be a thorn in your flesh. People around you trying to lead you into sin. That whole passage there in in 2 Corinthians 12 Um, Right around it, Paul's talking about false apostles that are coming to undo the work that he's created and undo the faith that's actually inside these other people. So it could be a valid interpretation there that the thorn in the flesh Paul is talking about is actually people that are oppressing him and giving him a hard time and leading leading hard things around him. You know, we don't know because he doesn't go on and elaborate. But even if it is a sickness thing, the reason Paul got it was because he wouldn't be conceited for the vast revelations that he had and for knowing the person who'd been taken up into the third heaven and received all the revelations of God. You know what? I have not had the vast revelations that Paul had. I do not need something in my side to stop me being conceited because I know what is inside me is is just rags of filthy, filthy dirt compared to the God's glory. Paul needed that. I don't think any of us could say that we need that in our world to stop us from being conceited. So whether it was sickness or not, we don't know. I'm inclined to say that it probably wasn't. But even if it was, that's not something God needs to send in us because we're just not in that place. talking about creating an atmosphere of faith. I spoke last week about needing to understand that faith that comes through seeing signs and wonders is just as important as faith that comes through reading the Word. It's exactly the same faith, and it's just as pleasing to God. See, belief, when we believe that miracles happen and the signs and wonders happen, why? So we believe that Jesus is God. Or that people would believe the God we're talking about is the God and the real God. So then they can place faith in God, Our faith goes in God because he is able and he's willing and that lets us for the things that we desire from his word to produce hope for them. Belief that God is, faith in him so that we can have hope for his outcome. And so now what we also need to do is strip from our mind that God is the source of these things at all. And worship team, please come. And so we need to denounce those lies. That God is the source of our problems and our sickness. Even the stop holding on and looking for good there. Verses of Romans 8.28, that God's going to bring good out of everything. All situations for those that love him and according to his purpose. That verse does not mean that this sickness is his good plan. When God's talking to, to Joseph and saying that that which the enemy meant for your hurt, I've planned to use for your good, doesn't mean that that which the enemy sent to him was God's best purpose. But God's going to turn that situation around, rather. We're not meant to be overrun in this war. Ephesians 6.15, from the Amplified, just so we get a bit there. Having strapped on your feet, the gospel of peace in preparation to... Having strapped to your feet, the gospel of peace in preparation. Why? To face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. We're meant to face what the enemy's doing, not run away from it, not cower in fear. And and for some reason around our, our community of faith in the last little while, the enemy's been sending darts. Because after that, Paul goes on and says, Lift up faith, your shield of faith. Above all, lift up the protective shield. That D there isn't my spelling mistake. That's in the translation. It's got one of those little Ds that you click on and it tells you a little bit more about it or goes to another verse. Okay, so um, shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Just stand with me and let's just pray. Father, we recognize that your desire is for the works of the devil to be extinguished. Lord, that's why you came and we manifest. That's why, Jesus, you gave up your seat in heaven, was to extinguish the works of the devil. Lord, part of that is sin. You want it eradicated from our lives and world. Lord, so do we. We agree with you on that.